0: The Steinberg Show, brought to you by 5th Avenue Auto House. It's Sports Purchase an atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. 5
1: So the Flames finished 2-2-1 on their season-long five-game road trip. They had a chance to finish a little better. They had a chance to actually finish it off with a three-game win streak and go 3-1-1, but last night was not meant to be. They fall 4 2 to the Washington Capitals in D.C. And on the one hand, you can say the Flames absolutely salvaged that trip with their crazy comeback win in Nashville. Like, had that not happened, I don't know what the conversation would be today. I don't know what the conversation would have been the last three or four days had they not found a way to get two points in Nashville. They also win in Columbus. But the way that trip was going, yeah, the the miracle in Nashville and then being able to take out Columbus a couple days later did salvage salvage things for them. But on the other hand, and the thing that I perhaps take away more than anything else from that five-game road trip is the fact that it essentially is a microcosm of what we've seen all season by the Flames, in that on that road trip, there were some really good stretches. I thought they were good in Columbus. I thought that Obviously what we saw in the third period and overtime against Nashville was incredible, but there were also some really bad stretches. I mean, those two games they played to kick it off, the Heritage Classic in Regina and then what happened in Carolina a couple days after that, very frustrating, very inconsistent and that has been what we've seen through 17 games. They've had some really good, and they've had some really bad. Here's the captain, Mark Giordano, his thoughts on a 2-2-1 two, two and one road trip that is now wrapped up.
2: Obviously, the third in Nashville, we felt like before that we weren't getting to our game enough. Uh, I thought Columbus was a big character win, and and then tonight I thought, um, again, we we liked, we liked the parts of that game where we... You know, there's good pace to it. There's both teams have a lot of skill making plays, but uh, you can't you can't be giving up odd mans and and uh, I thought that they were really good at quick up in the puck when they had to to create oddman rushes. So um, no, again, come out of the road trip 500. now, what uh, obviously we wanted. We wanted to to get this one, but we'll we'll go home now and try and. Uh, Get get those two on home ice coming up this week.
1: So even last night was one of the, I've used the term microcosm a couple of times. Even last night was that for the Calgary Flames. Some really good things, some really bad mistakes, and it just so happened that those bad mistakes ended up in the back of Calgary's net on far too regular a basis. So look at the four goals that Washington scored last night. All four of them happened as as a direct result of a Calgary Flames fairly egregious noticeable mistake so you've got the first goal, the 2-on-1 Monaghan makes a soft play on the half boards in the offensive zone bad step up by Giordano, 2-on-1 for what felt like the entire rink bang 1-1, then a few minutes later on the second Jacob Vrana goal, soft clear by Travis Hamanick, does not get that puck out it's kept in way too easily then Hamanick finds himself in no man's land it's a 3-on-1 down low, Vrana scores again, it's 2-1, the breakaway goal to complete Vrana's hat-trick. That was Mark Giordano deciding to activate, which is fine, and the Flames had the right recognition. They had the switch. Gaudreau moved to the point. Giordano moved down low, but then Gio stayed there way too long, and inexplicably, TJ Brody decides to pinch and try to make a play on a 20-80 puck, and next thing you know, it's a breakaway the other way. It's 3-2, and then the 4-2 goal early in the third period on the power play, Tom Wilson the little shove to Brody pushes him off the puck and that allows Lars Eller to get fed at the side of the net and yeah you might not like the angle that that puck goes in on Cam Talbot on but fact of the matter is because Brody got pushed off the puck so easily and because that allowed Eller to be wide open at the right side of the net he had all day to pick his spot and to go up top on Cam Talbot so much like the road trip Last night had a lot of good and bad because other than those four mistakes, and I know those four mistakes ended up as goals, but I actually liked a lot of Calgary's team game last night. I thought that they had the puck a lot. They created shots. They created attempts. They made Ilya Samsonov work. And for the most part, they were able to limit the quantity of chances that they had on Cam Talbot. Just so happened, the four goals that ended up being scored all happened on fairly high danger plays that came as direct results from Flames turnovers. So that has been the story of Calgary's first 17 games of the season. Too inconsistent, too many peaks and valleys, too many swings in games. And that road trip was a perfect example. Lots of good on that road trip, lots of bad on that road trip. And if the Flames are the team that we expected them to be coming into the season, and if the Flames are going to be the team that they should be knowing how close they are to the salary cap, what they did last year and the talent assembled. Well, if they're going to be that, they're going to have to cut out the amount of bad in their game right now and Last night, awful, unnecessary mistakes. Sewer them. Other nights, it's other things. But consistency remains this team's biggest pro- problem as they approach the quarter mark of the season. Hey, how about that to kick off the program? Welcome to a Monday edition of The Steinberg Show. My name is Pat Steinberg. Hopefully, your weekend went along very nicely. Peter Klein is here with us on a Monday afternoon as well. More on the Flames in a second. But first, let's bring you back to last night from Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. It It is time for last night's Game in a Minute.
0: Game in a Minute, brought to you by Hyatt Infinity. Be winter-ready with free winter tires, free rock art, and free oil changes and tire rotations with every new in-stock 2019 vehicle. Visit HyattInfinityCalgary.com. Empower the drive.
3: Good evening, hockey fans, and welcome inside Capital One Arena here in Washington, D.C., where tonight, the Flames will wrap up their season-long five-game, 10-day road trip it is Mark Trudano in the 8-6-2 Calgary Flames versus Alexander Ovechkin and the first overall, 10-2-3, Washington Capitals. Capitals in a defensive zone face-off. Urlaw gives it away, to Chuck Sanders. Marsha scores! Andrew Majapani one-times the puck by Elias Samsonov, and he gives the Flames a 1-0 lead. Here's Kuznetsov centering, Varana shoots and scores! Adam tries to clear it, can, Orlov holds it in, Orlov to Kuznetsov, to Varana, he scores! A pretty three-way passing play finished by Jacob Varana, who scores his second goal of the first period. Now a long shot by Shillington. they score! Oliver Shillington simply puts the puck on the Capitals' net. And it looked like Elias Lindholm might have got his stick on it and redirected it by Ilya Samsonov. The Capitals clear it. Here comes Verana in. shoots and he's stopped by Talbot and then scores. And here come the hats. Jacob Varana completes his hat trick. Wilson's after the puck in the quarter. He feeds it in front. And Eller scores. Lars Ellers snaps the puck past Cam Talbot and time runs out of the flames here at Capital One Arena in Washington tonight. Jacob Marana scores a hat-trick including what turns out to be the game-winning goal. And the flames fall by a final score of 4-2 in the fifth and final game of their
1: season-long
3: 10-day road trip.
1: Your game in a minute for Hyatt Infinity. Last night, the Flames fall 4-2 to the Washington Capitals. Mr. Klein, I called the road trip a microcosm of the season. Some good, some bad. Would you agree on that front when it comes to the Calgary Flames? Yeah, I think that is
2: pretty spot on, actually, where there's... there's a Yeah, good job. Um, there are a few... A few good things that are happening, and I I actually thought more good things were happening toward the the back half of that road trip for sure. But it does feel like there are too many mistakes, especially mistakes happening in your own end. Um, TJ Brody is good for one or two of those uh, a night, and we saw it again in the game against Washington. So yes, no, uh, some good things, but too many bad things. I will say, I... Against maybe a lesser team, and this could lead to a larger discussion of what the Flames actually are. But against a lesser team, I don't know if as many of those mistakes end up in the back of your net. Like that was the four deadly
1: Caps team, right, right? Yeah, that's
2: a real good Capitals team, and I don't know if so many of the most uh, those mistakes in the offensive end lead to transition chances the way Washington did. That's an amazing counterattack team. So. Maybe against a lesser team, though all four of those don't end up in the back of your net. But if you're the Calgary Flames and you're the regular season Western Conference champion from a year ago, you don't want to be worrying about strength of competition. So I can see the frustration from that point.
1: Too. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, and some of the games they've lost this year have been against teams that would not rate on the high scale of quality of competition. I look at a couple of losses to the Los Angeles Kings, for instance, is, yeah. as perhaps inspiration there. But no, I, I, I think... Here's what it comes down to. You can tell me all you want that this year and last year aren't connected, and you'd be right. And I know that that is a big message sometimes when we talk about the Flames. But the fact of the matter is that because what they did last year was at such a high level in the regular season, it did naturally set expectations and when you are a team that is coming off what 107 points last year a team that then got bounced in round 1 of the playoffs and spends to the cap just gave matthew Kachaka the highest dollar figure on the team like when you when you factor in all of these things right now the expectation should be at a very high level and it's the situation they've put themselves in the scenario they're in. And I've said this on overtime a number of times this year, but the scenario they're in is very similar to what the sharks and the lightning and probably the capitals, although at least the capitals have that Stanley cup in recent memory, but there's a number of teams right now that yeah, good regular seasons are fine. And those are a lot of fun. And, and, but the flames could have another 107 point regular season And it's going to matter significantly less than it did last year because everybody's going to say, well, yeah, Talk to me in the playoffs. Let's see if they can get the job done in the postseason, which is fair. The problem is, the flip side of that is that it doesn't work the, the opposite way, right? Like, you can be as good as you want, and a lot of people are going to shrug their shoulders. However, if you struggle, if you're mediocre, or if you're just average, like kind of where the Flames have been through the first 17 games here, well, then it's a completely different conversation. Say, so, well, why aren't you playing better? You need to. <laughs> and, and, and that's the. It's a lose lose situation. The, the spot the Flames find themselves in, there's really no winning unless they go out and get the job done in the postseason. That, that's that's the spot they're in right now. Yeah, positively, they're not going to prove anything
2: until April. Like, we're not going to, in February, say oh, okay, well now we figured out the Flames. So that's that's going to be something that we figure out April and, God willing, into to May and June as well. But no, this, this is you're right. That if once things go bad, which someone argued 8-7-2 and two is kind of bad for what people thought the Flames were going to be this season, it wasn't going to be, okay, well, it's the regular season, who cares? There are heightened expectations on this team as they are for a few teams, like you mentioned, but you don't just get to start again on April 8th or whenever the playoffs are, you have to work your way through this regular season thing. And I know Last year wasn't going to happen again. I think we all assumed 107 points in first place in the Western Conference. Might have been a lofty goal for this team. But I don't think what's happening here is all just, oh, everyone's coming back down to earth. Like Sean Monahan has three goals in 17 games this season. That's not coming back down to earth. That's slumping. And that's, that's not going to continue. So while people can say, well, knew it, flames were mirage. You knew the best case scenario for too many players last year. That there's still a lot that's happening with this team where there's room to grow, so I, I, I'm still not at the the panic button uh, spot that a lot oh, of other people and, are.
1: And I'm not either. And I oh, no, I, I know you I know you just said I am, and the, <laughs> Yeah, but and one of the things that I think is fair to point out, and it, it sounds like an excuse, and it's not so much of an excuse as much as it is, I think, just the reality. I think for a lot of teams in Calgary's situation it's, it's hard to get ramped up for games in October and November when all that you care about and all that you're going to be truly judged on is in April. And I think it's, it's not, I mean, look at Tampa Bay, I think is in that situation right now. I can't imagine that fans in, in Tampa are saying, Oh, this is a great start to the season for the lightning. Um, I think Toronto finds themselves in that situation and, and look the way the Maple Leafs have started the season. It's been a very similar up and down kind of average to mediocre start there are a number of teams in this league that are only going to be judged by what they do post playoffs. And thus, when you're playing so far away from the post season and you're still months away from those games, really ramping up. I, I do think it's a little more difficult to play with that intensity or mm-hmm. play with that urgency. It's, it's, it does sound like an excuse and I guess it kind of is an excuse because you need to make sure you fight through it, especially in a tight Western conference where, you know, a long enough slump might find you behind the eight ball enough that you're not able to completely salvage and get back there. And that's why I say as much as I still think this is a playoff team, I still think this will be a playoff team, it's by no means a guarantee because the Western Conference is is no easy ride right now. So I, I just I feel like that is a part of what's going on right now but they've got to kick that soon because they they've got to find a way back to a a much more consistent style of play like we're we're knocking on the door for the second quarter of the season already yeah, and, and to your point of the the Western Conference being tough, we
2: all remember the bad start the Dallas Stars got off to, and it, the, the sky was falling. Joe Pavelski's not a fit; he's old. What what is this team doing? They are three points back of the Flames for the second wild card spot. Yeah, the they've won six of their last seven games yeah. after starting one seven and one. You can turn things around, right? And this is kind of a turnaround week, I would think, a, a potential turnaround week for the Flames with uh, the, the next few games at home.
1: Well, they've got a four-game homestand that they start tomorrow against the Arizona Coyotes. That is a 7 o'clock face-off right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan will be on the air at 6 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Okay, so that's the flame story. A couple of texts. At 960960 on the Glenn Morati fan feedback text line. Uh, this says, I kind of throw last night out. Third game in four nights against a legit cup contender. That's a game you're probably losing most of the time. But even at that, even though they were 2-1-1 one, and one for the rest of the trip, uh, I only saw about three to four good periods in the four games combined. I do not like what I'm seeing at all from this team outside of Riddick and Lindholm. Uh, this from Mike. Agreed with all that, Pat, but I'd personally give a lot of credit to the opposition last night because Netsov and Vrana were animals. Washington has so many game breakers all over their lineup, and that's why they're sitting at the top right now. And and that's to your point, Kleiner. Like, you can make the mistakes you made last night against other teams, and they probably don't end up in the back of your net at the same rate they did yesterday. But that goes into managing a hockey game that's still on. Don't make those mistakes. <laughs> you know, like yeah. when you're playing against a team like Washington, you better play a clean game. And this goes to what you can take away
2: from the regular season and what you can build on in the regular season towards the playoffs. Because once you get to that postseason thing, as the Flames very forcefully found out for five games, there no more bad teams left. You're going to be playing against teams like the Washington Capitals every night. So get those mistakes out of your system now because those will cost you in April, May, and June.
1: Uh, this, you guys make me laugh, this is the true flames. They have barely two lines that can score on a regular basis. The other two plus lines are all plumbers who try hard and are basically useless. Sure, they're going to get a goal once in a while, but they can't produce regular uh, regularly. And poor Riddick has to bail them out constantly so far Talbot hasn't been as big so get used to it Flames fans this is how the season's going to go that comes from Brian I don't get the feeling that's a Flames fan (laughs) uh this reads I like Bill Peters don't get me wrong but when do we start to get concerned about the coach and coaching systems and decisions they don't seem to have a breakout the power play is predictable players like Frolik and Brody play too high up on the lineup at the cost of getting young guys more ice time and experience and teams seem to have figured out the system we were frustrated with Gullitson for being too static yet we're seeing much of the same now Thoughts? Um, I, I do have a couple of thoughts on that. I think with, I do think that there is a little bit of teams defending the flames a little differently right now. I do think, especially for Monaghan and Gaudreau, uh, who really struggled last night. I think that good teams specifically are defending them a little bit better. And that's why I personally think the conversation of a different look is still a valid one. And what I mean by that and, and, If you listen to this show or you listen to Pinder and I regularly, you're probably like, okay, Steinberg, we get it. But I'd like to see Lindholm at at center for more than two games. I'd like to see them actually try that and commit to it for a longer period of time because we don't know... I think there is a decent chance that Lindholm at center, and you know, then there's some other ways that you could align things after that, but I think there's a decent chance that Lindholm at center is the best look for this team to have sustained success and specifically have success in the playoffs. But how do we know? We've only seen it for two games. So I I, I do wonder why that was such a quick decision after two games not going down that road to, or going down that road to then put Lindholm back on the right side with Gaudreau and Monahan. I I I feel like, and this is, and and I I get it. The coaching staff knows more, and and of course they do. But Mm -hmm. I do wonder why that that was only a two-game experiment. Yeah, and I thought... I really liked how the top line looked when they
2: made that change. My problem was after that top line, she dries up quick. And that was was a concern for me. I think there is a way you can spread this team out where you have four pretty dynamic lines. But uh, just a couple notes on that text. I don't think we are ever... And I do mean ever going to criticize Bill Peters for being too static. He, he changes things quite a bit. And as much frustration as there's been about what I mentioned before, Monan having three goals, they showed on the TV broadcast the other night, he's still in the top five in chances from the slot. That This is still a team that is getting some opportunities. Some of them aren't going in. There are absolutely changes that could be made. I agree there is way too much Michael Froelich and TJ Brody in my life right now. But I, I think there are some positive things happening with this team. They aren't just necessarily getting the results.
1: Flames and Coyotes tomorrow on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Okay, Uh, the playoffs are officially here in the Canadian Football League, and the countdown is on for the... First of, if you're a Stampeders fan, hopefully two playoff games at McMahon Stadium this year. The one guaranteed is Sunday, the West Division semifinal against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and, and who knows? Maybe they can be a team that uh, is in their uh, in in their own building for the Grey Cup. That uh, is a little further down the road. But what we saw over the weekend: no, co- no Cody Fajardo, no problem. Riders still find a way to win at home and beat the Eskimos to clinch first in the West. How are you feeling about your boys? Uh, knowing that they get the buy, knowing that Fajardo gets an extra week to rest.
2: I, I I would disagree with your no Fajardo, no problem. It was no Fajardo. Several very glaring problems. Well, in the in the <laughs> end, the it, result was not all a problem. that mattered.
1: All that mattered in that in that game was the result, though. It yeah. really did. I I t- I take next to nothing from that <laughs> game unless. Unless Fajardo can't play in the west Final, then i'm a little bit, then that game's a little bit more worrying, <laughs> yeah. but assuming Fajardo's good to go, he says he's going to be good to go, uh, assuming that's the case, then yes, I would say no Fajardo, no problem in yeah. a more general sense
2: yeah, and i mean you, you'll you look at where the, the riders are at and obviously getting that bye week is going to be huge to get Fajardo back in the lineup. They were eight and one on home field this season, just five and four on the road. And they look like a completely different team home in a way. So getting that first round by for Saskatchewan, I think is absolutely huge. And also you don't give a beat up Winnipeg and a beat up Calgary team, although Winnipeg, there was no chance of that anyway, but you don't give those teams the, the extra week. So I'm feeling pretty good about Saskatchewan right now. Winnipeg having a a competent quarterback uh, concerns me greatly because I think that is still the most talented team in the Canadian Football League. And it, it was a little off on Saturday night against BC, but I wonder how crisp that team was going to be playing anyway, but it does really feel like Bo Levi Mitchell is rounding into form. So it's it's super cliche, but all three of these teams in the West could be representing the West when we're back here for the Grey Cup late November.
1: I am uh, fascinated by what happens on Sunday because it's such a unique scenario. The fact that the Stamps win that game means at the very least they host the West Division semifinal, but they're going to be playing the Bombers three times in a span of four games that when do you ever see that especially yeah. at this time of year and for the bombers because they had the week 21 bye they're playing three straight games against the Stampeders, so I don't even know. Like Bo, Bo talks on the Bo Show all the time about how the second game of a home and home, like the second part of the the Labor Day home and home, or when even even this one that they finished off the Bombers' regular season with two straight one at Calgary, one at Winnipeg, and how that second game can always be a little difficult depending on who wins. Now it's three straight games, Bombers and Stampeders, and yeah. I. I I really do not know what to expect. I don't know how the Bombers are going to use their quarterbacks. I don't know uh, what different looks Winnipeg has to show Calgary. Like it's, it, this is one of the most fascinating playoff matchups the Stampeders have been in in a long time because the circumstances are so unique. And one of the,
2: not that teams are unfamiliar with it now, one of those games was the live mic game, which I thought was hilarious that these two teams are definitely meeting in the playoffs and we have the live mic game two weeks before that happened. So there was a, a bit of changing that needed to happen there. But no, this is, it's a unique scenario. And also the two games that those two teams played, real
1: close. And Well, actually all three of them, even if yeah. you go back to the, the first game that they played uh, earlier in the season was, was really close as well. And all due respect to
2: Calgary's defense, and I, I do think it's a pretty good run-stopping unit, you lost a game, and Andrew Harris only had 64 yards on 15 carries. I'm going to guess both of those numbers are going to be higher this Sunday, and that would that would concern me from a, a Stam's perspective. I have... I I'm, I don't know what amount of predictions for CFL playoffs we do on this show. Uh, but I'm happy we're not doing one today because I have no idea how this game is going well, to go. And
1: I, I want to know what they're going to do at quarterback. I think yeah. Caleros will get the start. You have to go Caleros, don't you? But how much do they use him? And what I mean by that is all year, even when Nichols was healthy, the bombers were using Nichols and Streveler in games. Now it was it was still like eighty five fifteen, and Nichols was still the guy. But they'd bring Streveler in, and he'd play for three or four snaps in a row, and then Nichols would come back. They it was like the the very like we always talk about change of pace running backs. You don't see a lot of change of pace quarterbacks, <laughs> but that's exactly what Streveler was. And and because I don't think Caleros is going to be quite at the level Nichols was at when he went down. I wonder if it's less 8515 and maybe it's more like 7030 and we get a healthy dose of Streveler in there to run some wildcat formations to do some designed runs to use him inside the 20. I am fascinated to see what type of different looks because Streveler really wasn't an option in the game they played in Winnipeg a couple of weeks ago and, and Calero's got the job done. I wonder mm. I wonder how much more Streveler we see on Sunday. It's it's and 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 from a stamp standpoint, I'm with you. Bo has been dynamite. I, I wonder about the urgency level in the game against the Lions, knowing that they knew first place wasn't an option anymore. So all they had to do was yeah, just go beat the Lions and they figured it out. Like I don't know if the urgency was where it usually would be. So yeah, I uh I I think this like if you're at, if you're to ask me, Stamps at home. I think they win this game, but I don't see it being um, a lopsided one either way. This this probably plays out the same way the other three games played out in that it's going to be really close and in the balance in the fourth quarter. And uh, as
2: Matty pointed out in here, the Bombers with a essentially wildcat quarterback in Strever have had a bye week. Assuming you're preparing for the Calgary Stampeders, 'cause because I think. That was, odds were, that was how that was going to go. And now they have a chance to implement a few type of trick plays from a team that we've seen doesn't mind mixing it up with the, the fake QB sneak and the, the deep pass and, and those types of things. It's a creative offense at times, and you've given them a week pretty well knowing who their playoff opponent is going to be to game plan for that
1: more on the Stampeders coming up at around 345 Matty Rose and today's Stampeders report stamps not back at practice until Wednesday getting set for the West Division semifinal hey we still need you to sign up and join us on our battle of Alberta road trip coming up just after Christmas December 27th we are heading up to Edmonton for the Flames and the Oilers round one of the Battle of Alberta and here's what we've got included with you Uh, so if you sign up at newwesttravel.com. We've got round trip motor coach from Calgary to Edmonton, breakfast and free parking at the Wild Rose Brewery Prioring. We've got one night at the brand new JW Marriott Ice District right next to Rogers Place. we got a welcome reception there with Steinberg. Uh, that's me. Uh, I was just reading right from the thing. Uh, hey, welcome. I'm r- Ron Burgundy? Welcome reception with s- actually it reads Steinberg. With an M. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks, Ash. Uh, with me and Will. Uh, we've got a welcome reception there. we got lower bowl seats. we got a party afterwards. Our after. Afternoon show is going live from Edmonton as well. Join us on the Battle of Alberta road trip brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery, brewing quality craft beer and coffee that fuels the hardworking Albertan. Wild Rose Brewery, branded with character. More on a Flames road trip and some interesting contract news surrounding this team as well. We'll touch on all of that with our guy Ryan Pike from FlamesNation.ca. Next on the Steinberg Show, Sportsnet 960, the Fan. <laughs>
0: Purchase a Tiguan and you can get up to $2,500 cash purchase bonus and no charge on winter tires. Fit at VW.com.
1: Welcome back to the Steinberg Show on a Monday afternoon. The flame's getting set for the Arizona Coyotes tomorrow. Today is a... Off day for them, as you'd expect, after a back-to-back weekend. They played Saturday and Sunday, win in Columbus, and loss in Washington. Let's welcome in our guy Ryan Pike from FlamesNation.ca. He joins us usually on Mondays to talk all things Flames. He's got some interesting contract news that uh, I'm going to get to with him in just a second. But first, Mr. Pike, your thoughts on a 2-2-1 two, two five-game road trip for the team.
4: Uh, if you, I listened to, uh, to Bill Peters, uh, comments to the media after the game last night, and I can't say I disagree. Like, I mean, they had a chance to win every game and, you know, some of the games got away from them and that's definitely something they got to work on, but all told, like they, they didn't get the doors blown off in any game and they were competitive and they lost for, you know, self-inflicted reasons, not, you know, structural reasons. So there's a lot of things to be encouraged about. Uh, and especially, you know, honestly, if you look at at the the schedule, if you look at the, the the style of teams they're playing against, 500 road trip, while isn't amazing, isn't that bad?
1: For me, the the thing that jumped off the page is the same thing that's jumped off the page through the first 17 games of the year. This group still looks like too volatile a team. They're still a largely inconsistent team. And we saw that through the five games they played on this road trip. At least that was my biggest takeaway or observation.
4: I think so. And I think, you know, let, let's be honest. I think you, you got to look at that national game and say, okay, well, they were like, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I was at the hitman game the other day and I sat with more of the national scouts and I nice sat with them and, you know, we were sort of chuckling just about the idea that, you know, the, the flames were sort of, distant second best team in the first half of that game and then it's like they decided, okay, we're gonna start winning now. So on one hand, it's very good that you have the ability to flip the switch and say, okay, we're gonna start winning now. On the other hand, why did it get to the point where you're down three goals in the second period and had to flip that switch? And I think the challenge is there's sort of been a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde team where, you know, sometimes, you know, when when they're fighting it, they're fighting it. And when they're good, they're real good. And can they smooth that out a bit?
1: Yeah, that's that. that's the biggest word that I would use. They need to smooth it out or even it out is well, 17 games in. We're not quite at the quarter mark, but now after a five game road trip, it's kind of a, a nice little milestone in the schedule to look back, especially as they kick off a four game homestand tomorrow. Just where are you overall on this team right now?
4: Much like I said uh, after, uh, I think I, I said to a bunch of people after the national game, I'm not entirely sure what I'm looking at right now uh, because, you know, you have that, that wild through period. But in general, like I think you can look at the different parts of the team, like the penalty kill is real good, uh, the goaltending is real good, and everything else is sort of all over the place. And I think that's a challenge because, you know, you kind of know what you're going to get from the penalty kill and the goaltending on any given night. And then you really have no idea, you know, what four lines are going to show up, if any, uh, how the defensive pairing is going to be. Like, let's be honest, you know, I think, you know, last night's game was probably one of the most uneven games I've seen from the top four for the Flames in probably about a year so that's got to be that's got to be smoothed out. I mean, they're 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 very schizophrenic. They're very uneven. You know, uh, you don't really know what you're gonna get from period to period. But we know they have the capability of being really really good because they've at times been really really good. But you know, even even now, like 17 games in, I don't think we've seen a complete 60 minute, you know, put a bow on it game from this mm-hmm. group. And that. On a certain level, that's kind of concerning because, you know, you would have expected them to you know put a stamp on a game at this point and say this is the type of hockey you're going to be seeing from, uh, from them from a consistent basis.
1: Here's something that you and I haven't talked about a whole lot, and I'd be really curious as to where you are on this. Ryan Pikes with us from FlamesNation.ca. We only saw... Elias Lindholm played center for two games before they moved him back onto that line with Gaudreau and Monahan. My my personal feel is I I'd like to see a little bit more of that look because I think there's a a real potential that that is the best way that this team slots and 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 could be their best look, but we've seen it so infrequently, I don't we can't be confident one way or the other. Where are you on the theory of Lindholm playing center and end them, it's a pretty dramatic change in the way they look.
4: I think so, and I think it, it makes them, especially on the road, it makes them a tougher team to, to match up against. Because, you know, for for better or for worse, this is still a pretty top heavy team. And at home, you can do a lot by just throwing all your aces into one line and sort of leaning on the other team. But on the road, you have to be able to be comfortable with, you know, in mid game, just sort of shifting guys around and having, you know, Lindholm and Monahan broken up so you can potentially have two guys that can sort of, you know do a bit of dictating in terms of the faceoff circle. So I would have liked to have seen it for more than two games, especially because, you know, the two games we saw it in were kind of weird games and it would have been nice to sort of see them under regular circumstances.
1: Any idea why they have been hesitant to commit to that on a regular basis? I'm not sure. I think
4: maybe it's just, you know, I know Bill's been trying to, you know, keep all the, at least all the forwards sort of in the mix. So, you know, you can, you can swap Toby Reader now cause he's a winger and he knows how to play basically anywhere you need to play on the wing. But, you know, Mark Jankowski hasn't really played any wing at all since his freshman year of college. So uh, putting him, you know, there at the NHL level and saying, okay, figure it out. It probably isn't that fair. And it it's probably not a recipe for success, but, so I think as long as as long as long Bill's sort of of the mindset of he wants to keep rotating get guys in and out, it sort of limits your ability to put Jankowski in and out of the lineup because, you know, if you put Jankowski in and he can only play center, who's going to bump out? He's, you know, he's not going to bump out any of the top three centers, right. any of the top four centers when he put Lindholm in that position. So it really limits your ability to sort of wiggle guys around.
1: Now, we've only seen it for the two games, but I honestly believe there's a chance – that you know, we, we we've talked a lot or people have talked a lot about do the Flames have that number one center that is so key on a Stanley Cup winning team? And and there's been a lot of talk about whether or not Sean Monaghan is that guy. And and I'll be honest, I'm not certain that he is that guy either. I do wonder if they have that guy in the organization though. And I wonder if it's Elias Lindholm with what I've seen from him to start the year with what he has shown us in terms of his offensive upside and his two-way game. I really do wonder if, if he might be that number one center that this team has, has really been searching for, for geez, the better part of two decades.
4: Yeah. And I think there's a possibility. I mean, you know, it's been long discussed that, you know, on a championship team, Bless his heart. Michael Backman's probably a, a really good third line center, and if he's a really good third line center, that means you have two guys ahead of him that are really, really good. And you know, right now, I think, you know, I I'm not terribly certain that uh, Sean Monahan is, you know, offensively Sean Monahan's light years ahead of of Backman. He just has the ability to go to the net and you know get get shots off. But you know, his two way play, it's it's fine. It's he's he's fine. But he's just he's slotted up up, up above him because you can use backlin in sort of a more complimentary way and use him to sort of eat up time against, you know, the other team's best guys. But, you know, if they can figure out a way to sort of unlock further things in Lindholm's game, I think there could be something special there because, you know, the, in the year and a quarter he's been here, he's been an exceptional winger. And if he can keep building his game, you know, he's still, we still forget, he's still super, super young. Like he's the same age as uh, Monaghan, but, you know, he hasn't really played as much tough minutes hockey as Monaghan has. There's a lot less mileage on him. So I think. You know, you might as well use the time you have to figure it out because I think even even if he's not a true number one center, even if he's just a really good center and he can sort of give you different looks in your own lineup, mm-hmm. it makes you a much more versatile team. And I think, you know, the the challenge for this group for the last few years has been, oh, you need to score a goal, you you throw you know Monahan's line out there. Oh, you need to stop a goal, throw Backlund's line out there. And it seems like you know you know the old saying, if the only tool you have is a is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. And it works if it works, but if you suddenly need a a screwdriver and you only have a hammer, it doesn't work very well. And I think using Lindholm as a center and giving them a little bit extra versatility in their toolbox could really, really help them in those tough matchup situations.
1: Ryan Pikes with us from FlamesNation.ca. you, uh, we're doing a little reporting last week on Rasmus Anderson, and and as you said, maybe it's not necessarily groundbreaking. I think that uh, at at the same time, this is something that you would expect in a lot of ways. But what can you tell us about Rasmus Anderson in the last year of his entry level contract?
4: Well, you know, you know, there's a uh, they've begun preliminary conversations. Uh, you know, th- th- there's been a lot of discussions uh, surrounding the team about what they're going to do with Hamannick and what they're going to do with Brody going forward. And I think with both those guys being pending unrestricted free agents, uh, both those camps might be of the mindset of "Eh, take it to market and sort of see how it goes. But, you know, Anderson, he, you know, the flames are going to retain his rights anyway, because he's a restricted free agent. And so, you know, there's, no, there's not much time pressure, but I think both sides seem to really be enthusiastic about sort of working something out. Uh, I think it's fair to say that Anderson's been a fabulous fit uh, for this lineup. He's, you know, we were joking about versatility. He's one of those guys that you can sort of use him anywhere in the lineup, power play, penalty kill, first pair, third pair, and he'll give you good minutes. And I think that's going to get him, you know, probably well compensated. Uh, the curious thing for that is I think the, the big challenge is, just figuring out, you know, what they're going to look like long-term on the blue line. Because, you know, if you sign him now, he doesn't have a lot of uh, offensive benchmarks to really hang his hat on. So it might keep the cap it down a bit. Maybe there's some some willingness to sort of give a bit on either side and sort of get something longer-term done, or maybe they just want to do a show-me contract. But uh, I think with so many different things happening in the offseason – uh, you know, potentially two top four defensemen leave the organization as free agents, potentially Michael Froelich leaving as a free agent, potentially the cap going up a million and a half. I think it's, it's beholden on the flames given how chaotic this summer was to maybe try to get some of that work done earlier. So they have some maneuverability in the summertime. And I think, you know, the fact that they, that they're, you know, already engaging with Anderson's camp suggests that, yeah, they don't want to leave the homework to the last minute, like last year.
1: Any, any idea what a, deal might look like for him especially when you talk about giving on both sides because i i really think that that might be the the way to go if you're the flames if you could make that happen if you could get a six or a seven year deal go a little more on term and maybe a little bit more on an aav to convince him to do that geez i think that could really end up helping this team in the long run but any feel on on what a Rasmus anderson contract might look like
4: now, for for that, I don't have any any uh, journalistic intel. Uh, my complete speculation is if I were his representative, I'd be sort of looking at some of the, you know, just from an internal cap structure perspective, I'd be sort of pointing to the deals that they've gotten done recently for Sam Bennett and sort of making the case that, okay, you know, you can make a good case that Bennett has, has more NHL experience and, you know, has been used, you know, more often in key, you know, high leverage situations. But on the other hand, you know, Anderson hasn't played a ton, but you know, he's the guy they throw over the boards in, you know, one goal games when they need a goal to tie it. And I think the fact that he's been able to be a regular top, top pairing option and really have no drop off. I think that'll help now too. So I probably, I probably start a conversation if I were them two to three years, it started about 2.5 to start the conversation and then see where it goes from there. But, you know, it's a challenge for that because, you know, generally speaking, uh, top pairing, you know, entry-level defensemen don't come along every day. And usually if you're a top pairing guy, you're there right away. So he's taken sort of a longer route to get there. And because he's taken a longer route, he doesn't really have as many NHL games played or NHL points as a lot of you know, the comparable contract. So I think it's going to be a challenge for both sides to really find exemplary comparable contracts.
1: And finally, uh, I know that this, I believe it was uh, Frank Saravelli at TSN who had this news that uh, Travis Hamanick's representatives are not wanting to negotiate in season with the Flames right now. Just how did you read that? What were your uh, thoughts when you found that news out?
2: Eh,
4: You know, there's a lot of things you can read into that. I think, you know, at the very least it's, You know, let's be honest. If you're if you're at work and you're you know you know thinking about your next deal, it's going to distract you from work. And I think there's a certain aspect of that to it. And I think you know, especially if 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 you're a guy like Hamannick, who's been so good for this organization, and you know was real good in in the Islanders too, you probably want to know what your options are. And so might not make sense to really commit to anything right now before you know who's going to be going to market and who's not because, you know, you just need to figure out what your comparables are and until all the chips are down, you don't really know.
1: Yeah. Yeah and I I know that there have been some who have read a lot into that news I'm I'm with you I don't know if you necessarily need to I think there's a lot of dots that you'd be connecting to suggest that that means anything other than just what it means that they're not negotiating as it stands right now good stuff pike we'll talk to you next week we'll see you tomorrow I'll thank you pal that's Ryan Pike from FlamesNation.ca on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Podcast Hotline. The same secret recipe since 1975. For pickup or delivery, call 403 248 3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. This is The Steinberg Show on SportsNet 960, The Fan.
3: The Steinberg Show continues right now. Brought to you by 5th Avenue Auto House. Steinberg drives a VW from 5th Avenue. So should you. See them today on Meridian Road just east of Barlow Trail and south of 16th Avenue Northeast. Patrick Steinberg is only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: How about this? Training camp is underway for the Calgary Roughnecks. They were in the city yesterday and on Saturday getting ready for the 2019-2020 season. The defending champs are back in town. It's time for a little Roughnecks report. Look at Riley Pollock doing a little extra work as we welcome you back to the Steinberg Show. Here's Riley. Calgary
0: Roughnecks were back in town for camp this past weekend at the Calgary Soccer Center. The defending champs had sessions Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The Roughnecks return largely the same lineup as last year, including MVP Dane Doby, who led the league with 115 points last year in 18 games. Curtis Superman Dixon, who after holding out for the first few games of the season, put up 81 points in 14 games. Breakout star and goaltender of the year finalist Christian Del Bianco and transition player of the year finalist Zach Courier all are back to try and repeat as the NLL champs. The Roughnecks did lose a couple of guys to the Rochester Nighthawks and New York Riptide in the NLL expansion draft. Former captain Dan McRae and Shane Simpson, both defenders, were picked up in the draft. However, Simpson was eventually returned to Calgary in a trade that involved Wesley Berg. Calgary addressed the loss on the defensive end, selecting Liam LeClaire in the first round, seventh overall in the NLL draft. Liam is the brother of former Roughneck Kellen LeClaire. Overall, the Roughnecks pick seven players in the draft, including Marshall King, brother of current rigger Jesse King. General Manager Mike Board knows that as defending champs, the team is going to be getting every team's best,
5: Every game, but
0: thinks the team is up
5: to the challenge you you' come off a championship, so you are kind of the hunted rather than the hunter kind of thing and uh, uh so I think we have to be ready for that and you know i I don't think we want to forget that we won a championship and start from scratch or anything, but uh you know we did a lot of good things to win the championship, I think it's remembering those and remembering what kind of effort had to go into it and and uh how we how we played as a team which is uh which is very important
0: board has had to deal with a couple of holdouts again this season. Zach Courier and Tyson Bell both didn't have a contract just a few days before camp. However, Board was able to get one deal locked up, signing Courier to a two year contract. Board says the goal is always to have everyone together for the start of the year.
5: We want everybody here. Um, you know, like that, that's the idea. We've got a small camp, so, you know, we wanted to have everybody here to, to get things going. We're, we're going to have a pretty quick camp, so. Uh, it's it's a small group. Get it down to systems and get things rolling. So yeah, we wanted everybody here. So it was good to get it done.
0: With Courier signing, Bell is now the only player not with the team. Zach Courier, a first round pick in 2017, says it's good to be back with the guys.
6: We got it all figured out. Um, it's just awesome to be back with the guys, especially after the way last season ended. So we we're all. We're all getting real anxious to get back together and be able to hang out, but um, the contract is—it's uh, a part of the game—and it's glad to get it out of the way, and now we can focus on the real, the real deal. Now,
0: Courier had 22 points, grabbed 199 loose balls, and played all 18 regular season games last year, and
5: Mike Board is certainly happy to have him back. He brings—he uh, brings a lot to the table. He's great in transition. Solid defender. He's a bit of a ball hawk out there, so he always want to have the ball in uh, in our sticks. And he's one of those guys that uh, gets that done. Tremendous athlete, and uh, you know, like he's one of those guys that that does stuff that some of the other guys around the league can't do. So uh, having a guy like that in in your in your uh, stable is always a good thing.
6: Courier claims that Calgary was always where he wanted to be. It'll be the place for for the foreseeable future, if uh, if I have any say about it. Which I'm hoping they keep me around, but. uh, yeah, this place is awesome. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. The guys are great, management's great, um, everything about it's awesome. And we obviously have a very good skilled team too, so that part's great as well.
0: This will be Zach Courier's third season with the Roughnecks. He has played all 18 regular season games in both of his first campaigns. Zach knows that there's
6: always things to improve on in the off season, and comes into the year even better. I'm always trying to improve on my defensive game. Um, the transition stuff kind of comes naturally where I just pick the ball up and run and try to make something happen. But um, I'm always trying to def- uh, improve on my defensive game because that's the part that I need to fo- focus on the most. It's the part I struggle with the most. So as long as I can keep improving on the defensive end, I think... I'll keep getting better every year.
0: Courier knows that even though they won last season, the Roughnecks can't come into this season expecting to do the same and have to be at their best to repeat.
6: I'm not going to say that it's going to be easy, but uh, that's the goal every year. Uh, That was the goal coming into my first year. My last year was the goal coming in. So that's the goal coming in every year. Um, I don't see why it can't happen, but it's going to be a lot of work, and we can't just... We can't walk into the season thinking that we're the defending champs. We'll just have it handed to us because we're going to have 12 other teams that are gunning for that title. So it'll be be a lot of work again this year.
0: The Roughnecks get into game action with a preseason game at the Dome November 16th at 7.30. Tickets are as low as $5 for second level and $10 for the lower bowl. They will also be offering $5 food and beverages from 6 until 8 on game day. The Roughnecks open their regular season in Vancouver, November 29th at 8 p.m. The regular season home opener is December 21st at 7.30 against Colorado. That's the
1: Roughnecks report. I'm Riley Pollock. Thank you, Riles. Look at that. The defending champs are back in town, getting set for the start of the regular season and the preseason. We're still looking for teams for our Beer League broadcast, which is coming up in 2020. We need two Beer League teams to play in the game, get free personalized jerseys from Tuxedo Source for Sports, get their game live on the radio, and get the after party at Wild Rose. It's the Wild Rose Brewery Beer League broadcast. Tell us why your team should be in at sportsnet.ca slash 960. We will make decisions on teams in December. It's all brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery, brewing quality craft beer in Calgary that fuels the hardworking Albertan Wild Rose Brewery, branded with character. While the Flames are still struggling with one thing in particular after a five-game road trip, and that is consistency. We'll hit on that as Pinder and Steinberg kicks off in two minutes' time. That'll do it for the Steinberg Show, brought to you by 5th Avenue Auto House, Sportsnet 960, the Fan.